Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Rink Wrap, the Bruins podcast with your host, Mick Collagio. Mick has been covering the Bruins since the Boston Garden days and has the guests and the insights on the hockey world from the local to the NHL. So drop what you're doing, drop the puck, and listen in on Rink Wrap with Mick Collagio. It's Rink Wrap, the podcast. Mick Collagio here from the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And talking Bruins hockey uh, all season long. The 2018-19 season has begun. The Bruins are 2-1 as of this uh, podcast. Um, Today is Tuesday, October 9th. And the Bruins opened up at home yesterday with a uh, 6-3 win over the Ottawa Senators. And um, uh, today, I forgot to go to the printer and grab this, but uh, uh, Jimmy Shapiro just sent out from Bovada.lv the odds on the first coach to get fired this season in the NHL. So I uh, wasn't going to spend much time on that. Just going to, like, uh, as a footnote to begin, um, they got Todd McClellan of the Oilers up top. Uh, I think it speaks more to the flawed roster of the Oilers, um, they lack speed. And uh, that's something Peter Shirelli is going to need to address uh, along the way here toward building that team around Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, and uh, the rest of that uh, club. Um, They're going to need to uh, shore up some areas in order to maximize the potential that they have with um, hockey's most exciting player in the middle of it all. So, uh, you're listening to Rink Wrap and uh, Mick Collagio here. And what we're going to do today is a little different than usual. Uh, you're going to get a, a little taste of what it's like to be in on uh, a scrum, the full audio of which you will never hear all in one setting. It's with uh, General Manager Don Sweeney, uh, Boston Bruins Media Day on October 1st at the Warrior Arena in Brighton. And uh, what, uh, you're going to pick it up uh, a little bit midstream. What they did was they had the uh, five microphones set up for um, for Don, for uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy, for uh, club owner Jeremy Jacobs, uh, his son and CEO of Boston's Delaware North uh, Boston Holdings, Charlie Jacobs, and uh, Cam Neely, the club president. So uh, all of them were on up front doing the Q&A, and that's what went out uh, in the, the media that went out officially. That's what it's from. Now, the scrumming that happens after that is uh, there's a lot going on there, and a few people are talking at once, and Don Sweeney was surrounded by several reporters. You'll hear the voice of... Uh, of uh, Joe Haggerty from NBC Boston. You'll hear a question from Boston Herald uh, uh, Bruins writer Steve Conroy. 
Um, then you'll hear from the Boston Globe, Kevin DuPont, as the conversation will shift away from training camp and the prospects into uh, Patrice Bergeron. And uh, and as Dupes uh, put it, uh, what makes Bergeron Bergeron? And I still haven't myself gotten to make sure I read uh, Kevin's piece on, on Bergie. But I definitely will. Kevin's a great writer and a good friend. He's been at it a long time. Uh, And I focused my uh, story on the Bruins opening day on Bergeron as well after he had his hat trick. Um, uh, The guy's a legend. Um, He's found a million ways to reinvent himself. Uh, The thing that really kind of crystallized in my mind about Bergeron during Kevin's conversation with Don Sweeney that I uh, hopped in on, um, hopefully gra- uh, gracefully dupes, uh, was that while a lot of players in every level of hockey, especially the higher levels, they they can be like really talented and skilled parasites. They may be stealth 90% of the time. And then there's that one moment that they happen upon the game and they'll just kill you. And those players don't need constant attention. They also don't support their team in any constant way. Nobody's standing on the shoulders of what they do to do something else. So it's probably one of the reasons why I'm, I tend not to, uh, like I didn't give Taylor Hall my, my heart trophy vote last season. Uh, I think I went with Andre Kopitar. I just think a centerman is responsible for so much in all three zones of what goes on with the hockey team that even as great a player as Taylor Hall is and is I mean he's a modern day Bobby Hall let's face it if you never got to see Bobby Hall play well watch Taylor Hall play it's an awesome awesome hockey player we're talking about and um and credit to him and good for him for winning it um uh, you know maybe in a different uh year I would have gone with him I don't know but I tend to think that wingers, by, by the mechanics of the game, don't have as much to do with winning and losing over in the big picture as does the top defenseman or um, the center or even the goaltender for that matter. But especially the two-way stalwart centerman and in some cases, you know, the dominant two-way defenseman uh, like Ray Bork, circa eighty nine ninety, should have won it that year. Uh, I'm going a little off track here, but uh, focusing on uh, Patrice Bergeron, uh, who has in his now many years, it's 15 years since he joined the Bruins organization as a second round 45th overall pick, um, that uh, he was the kind of guy who does not wow you when he jumps over the boards. He isn't a lot like Sidney Crosby, where halfway through his third stride, you're saying, oh, my goodness, this guy's a player. Bergeron grows on you slowly, and the more you watch him, the better he gets. And there's still time, folks, because at age 33, this guy, even though he missed 100% of the training camp and the preseason schedule, uh, he has continued to find ways to ratchet up his performance and and be uh, the most important player to the Boston Bruins. I don't know if any player in my lifetime has been the most important player to the Boston Bruins for as many years as this guy. 
Um, it's a pretty amazing career that he has had. And uh, credit to him for continuing along the line of the of the Bruins greats who uh, never want to settle for what they are and coast. They always want to keep finding ways to figure out how to be better. And Bergeron's never stopped doing that. Now he's become like this Phil Esposito type one time shot from the slot, uh, the hash marks, goal score. Uh, that was not part of his game for probably the first decade of his career. That really wasn't who he was at all. It, it, uh, but he makes Marshan better. He makes Pasternak better. And the way he does this is by being whatever they need him to be and continuing to get better at that. And uh, so I'm bringing that up because most of this conversation that Don Sweeney has will boil down as the training camp prospects-oriented part of the scrum subsides and those media members move on to their do whatever they're doing, writing about it or talking to somebody else. Uh, Kevin DuPont focuses in on Don Sweeney and talks about Bergeron, and that's always a fascinating discussion for me because I've uh, uh, been a big fan of his game ever since I figured out um, how special a player he is, and he continues to amaze. Um, and the ways that he keeps on accenting his ability to um, impact the team, the game, the season. Uh, I started to make a statement here, and I'm going to try to finish it uh, before we move on to the clip itself. Bergeron, while many players are parasites to the game, they size up the game in silence, often the perimeter, and then they find out how can I exploit this game, happen upon it, surprise it somehow, and have my 10 seconds of relevance and impact it. A lot of players are pretty good at doing that. I don't think I've ever seen a player as good as Bergeron at sizing up the game, figuring it out from within, and deciding like a chameleon, how shall I shape myself to most impact it and its core and its engine in the way this game runs, how it's going to be played? What can I do about it? What can I make of it? Um, I, I think probably the style points for these two players are really different and the era of hockey is different and the skill level in some regards is different, but, um, I think of Gretzky when I think of Bergeron in this particular regard. Uh, he sizes up the game of hockey and decides. He doesn't overpower the game of hockey the way a Jack Eichel wants to or an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid or Gilbert Perrault or, or dare we say Bobby Orr. But what he does do is he figures out the way a para hockey parasite does, how can I make the most of what's going on out here? But then he decides what to, how to reshape what's going on out there, not just happen upon it in a flash and have an impact and then disappear again. What he does is he's abiding, he's present, he's affecting it all the way through, all three zones, no matter which team has the puck, no matter where it is on the ice, Bergeron's one of the best players out there. 
He spent two years in the pro league. I've been really a lot about that situation. He could have this year, you know, again, being an older player and such. That um, we really felt that he needed a year where he could play against his peers and get offensive chances and, and situations that he could continue to grow that part of his game. He scored two goals in our, you know, because of his speed and his tenacity to go to those areas of the ice. And he does have that as a, as a player. And, and playing the American League at 18, we are concerned that he continues to do that, which we love. We don't want to discourage. Does he get hurt in those situations playing against men? You know, and uh, you can restrict his schedule and start to monitor how much he plays in three and threes and situations like that. But ideally, we want to play a lot of hockey and really enjoying those moments. Uh, speaking with Ryan, uh, Mary O'Dell won the Memorial Cup as an accomplished coach. They were excited to have him playing all the goals and situations, uh, as well as he's, a, he's an accountable coach. So we know the details of the game are going to continue to resolve as well. You almost like come out of camp, don't feel good. Maybe I got hurt. What you saw. Yeah, very much so. Uh, again, a little surprising with the task piece of his game. You know, we knew he was an energetic player who really stayed on top of the what was his injury? Is he ready to go? Uh, he had a concussion. He got hit. He got hit in practice against Charlie. Which again might have reaffirmed. You know, now you're practicing against men every day. We want to be protected. So he's going to be ready to help soon, or is he ready? No, he's ready. Okay. Yeah, he's fully clear. Is Solari close in your mind at all? Uh, he's very good at camp. Most productive. And uh, a lot of high end plays in offense as well, which is very capable of doing. We cover the size of the heads, the size of the ice, some details. He doesn't have a part to continue to clean up. He missed a lot of time last year. Injuries. He's never come to work. He's evolved his game. I'm sorry. Still says and understanding the composition of the world. Obviously, it looks like that top line standing together, you know, by virtue of the and Where did you stand on that at the beginning of camp or throughout as far as keeping them together or diversifying you know, the top six? Yeah, and ultimately, that's a coach's decision we do talk about. The talk room and players are already right now. You went into camp looking for that third line center between the, the three young guys. Well, you also are cognizant of handing over the keys to the Bergeron crazy spot. So, given those two tasks, how do you feel Jacob, Trent, and Jack? We actually, uh, Sean was always a part of our, our plan in terms of uh, allowing somebody to, to step up into that role. Um, 
Um, we always felt that uh, with his energy and skating ability, he was going to be very effective. And you, know, you described the fact that both Bergeron and Kretschy have been given more offensive uh, zone starts and things. So we, you know, Riley did a very good job here. So we are cognizant that Sean, having played a lot of those situations last year as a fourth-line player and starting in, that he would be able to step up. Now, can we get the production? That's, that's to be determined. That's where we allowed the other players and those three that we spoke about to go into those roles and play with, you know, with really good players and see whether or not they were able to take the steps and move forward. And they're all different, you know, they're, they're probably on different um, trajectories to some degree where Jack needs to get strength in his game overall, in the skating piece. And he, was, he was pretty open there. You know, he got his eyes open to that, you know, being put in those situations on a daily basis and practicing against with those players. Uh, you know, obviously he goes back to Oshawa and lights it up this weekend. So we feel really good about where he's headed as a, as a hockey player. Now we need to get him stronger and, uh, and a little bit quicker in, in some of his decision making in that regard. Um, Trent, uh, you know, he's and Forrest Backer was different in, in certainly their builds and how they play the game. You know, JFK is a little more cerebral in terms of how he does things and makes high end plays. Um, and, and Trent is sort of just getting his feet wet. You know, it's a big jump for him to go to college and, and, and jump in. He played well in Providence last year. He's got a physical component to his game, a matchup situation that, that we think that he can continue to grow, uh, as well as develop the offensive side of his game and continue to. So is he ready for that every night, the way Sean has built that into his game? That's where we would probably say he's not. And we allow him to now have a real good meeting with him this morning and set parameters for him to, to go and, and, and start to build that. Uh, in comparison to players around the league, whether that takes 30, 40, 50, or a whole year, let's, let's see. But that's up to, up to the player himself. And if injuries you know, do present themselves, we feel comfortable that one of those guys can come in and fill a look. So what's your expectations for David Krejci this year? Just, you know, where do you see his career progressing right now? When David's healthy, he's, he's a very high productive player. Uh, you know, he's elite offensive skills, uh, processes the game still you know, at a high, high level. Um, he runs our second unit, which at times may, may, people might think is a, is a bit of a slap or a step backwards, but it really is not because he needs balance in, in, in both units. And uh, he takes ownership of that second group. And, uh, he, he enjoys playing with some of the younger players now. Where in years past, people are like, well, he needs a big power forward, established player. That's I think Jake is a good example of David enjoying playing with a younger player with, with the pace and the ability to, to go get pucks for him and, and to play a catch and go game, which he does. And, and, and Heinen sort of reminds me of how David played with Louis in that regard and possess the puck and, and make plays in the small areas of the ice while also being responsible. And, and it's allowed us to continue to grow our, our younger players while putting with experienced guys. It's a luxury for us to have, uh, certainly have uh, Patrice and David as our top two centers. He said earlier this summer he was a little taken aback by some of the stuff that was going around social media, you know, when you guys were at the Tavares, and am I going to get traded? He was worried. When you read that, what do you think? Again, I had a conversation with David as a result of some of those things that were speculated upon, and uh, he, he was more of a reaction to what people were, were sending him to private, you know, his private accounts. He said, "Okay, this is how you should what, what should happen to you," as opposed to how the team was trying to, to potentially explore things that would help. And uh, so, really, it was probably communicated effectively between David and I. I was asking Bruce about Bergy, what it means to the sort of the rest of the batting order down the middle. In, in your mind, what makes Bergeron Bergeron? 
well, easiest question of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's an awfully long one. He's the barometer, really, of, of, our, of our hockey club. Um, you look at even where Brad's game has, has evolved. He's become an elite player in this league, and a lot of tribute to, to Patrice. Uh, you watch David and where he's gone to. It's a result of having played with him. It really is. I mean, they're, they're good players in their own right. Don't get me wrong. But he just does everything you know, a consummate player at that meet level does each and every night. The consistency part of the game, which Bruce spoke about, is, is practice habits. And we're talking about dialing them back, you know, not playing in exhibition games to give him the proper time. He'll go out and do whatever he can in practice to push the envelope, you know, with 900 and some odd games behind him. He just wants the reps because he wants to set the bar for everybody else. He sets it for himself, hoping everybody else. But he's also grown into a leadership role that he you know, talks about taking the centers every day, coming to the ring and interacting with our younger players, um, the, the core leadership group. He really epitomizes what, what you need to be an hockey player to be successful. It's like, you know, it's true. Yeah. On and off, yes. So in, in your time, going back to when you joined the team and Ray was here, is, is Ray the closest in terms of that embodiment? Uh, yeah, I think that, in all honesty, Patrice probably is, is even more dialed in. Really? Yeah. I mean, Raymond knew when to manage his, his, his game, certainly as he got along and understand his practice and what time he needed off. And Patrice just doesn't seem to have the off button. Or, or Ray sort of understood it. Uh, but then there were times in practice, I reference this with a lot of players, that you know there are segments of practice that Raymond would, would ratchet it up to get the absolute work that he needed to be at the level he wanted to be at the next night. And you know, Patrice does that too. You know, and that's why I say he's really, you know, Z has always done it over his course of his career. Those special players that have that intrinsic quality to elevate when they need to elevate from a practice standpoint, not just a game standpoint. Like they really do. Um, Brian Sutter said that about Bork back in the 90s. That he's like he's like Michael Jordan. He's scared to death he's going to wake up the next day and not be able to do everything he could do yeah. the day before. Yeah, I, think, I think players of that nature, um, they fear regression. They really do, and, and they'll do everything. They can they identify it, yeah. Not to, not to have, not to have it creep in, you know. They, and uh, it's not a defense mechanism that they're worried about what people are thinking about them. They're worried about themselves and and what they expect of themselves. And, and it's a unique and equality. Um, I played a lot of really good players here, and seen a lot of good players come through. He is one of the best players I've ever seen play the game. You know, it's, it's funny because there's like a, a Gretzky. In the second game of the 07-08 season, the year we got hurt, they won that game down in Arizona. And after the game, Gretzky, he's the coach of the Coyotes at the time, he's like, I don't think you guys realize how good he is, this guy is, you know. People didn't, weren't on, on the wavelength yet. It took a lot of people time to catch up. To Yeah, I think the league... I think the league absolutely is caught up to understanding how, how, how really special a player is. I think you talk to any player who has a chance to play with him in any of the outside of being the Boston Bruins. That said, there's no eye candy to him. I mean, like the metric of speed, the metric of shot, uh, physicality. It's, it's, I think the it's, IQ is, is right. you know, the IQ of the heart and the motor is, is, is pretty darn special. But you guys have seen him 
him work on the shot, that bumper, you know, there's not a lot of guys, that, you know, there's guys that can shoot a one-time in the elbow and such, but he's gone into that spot and scored goals from that bumper, and it's it's been defined practice. It's, it's like a, a surgeon that needed to, you know, find a new area that he had to master, and often it's gone and said, okay, I, I, I can normally play a draw, but i got to go to a course where I play a fade, and he goes and, and, and practices a fade. It's, it's defined practice that Virgil on your People that write about that an awful lot, and he just he penalizes it. It's been a lot of guys that can size up the game, but then their activity in the game is as like a parasite. Like I watch the game happen, and then I'm going to pounce on it and score my goal or something. He's a guy who sizes up the game. I've never seen a guy like who could size up the game like him, and then decide how to be at the heart of the game. And, and, and continue to reinvent himself. As I just think that Jordan, you, know, you go around the, the upper echelon of those athletes, Gretzky, obviously, every, every sport, you know, boxers, right? Boxers would size up their opponent and, and recognize them. the greatest hitters. They'd recognize the least anybody go through the whole through the sports and I think it speaks to the IQ there's just players that, that have a different IQ than other guys do and then when you you, you put the work ethic behind the IQ and in terms of athletic abilities that's why you end up all the thank you yeah. I appreciate it alright that was Don Sweeney uh, talking uh, with uh media members about the prospects about training camp you you heard words about peter solaric has been a lot of uh pull amongst uh, uh on the twitterverse uh, uh, to get solaric into the nhl lineup anytime the bruins uh offense sputters that's what everybody wants to see uh i like the kid too i just don't see why you know everybody's is hyped up or is in a rush about this I don't think there's – I think the most important thing to keep in mind here is how fluid things are going to be for the Bruins beyond um, the Marchand-Bergeron combination on the front line, uh, the Krejci-DeBrusque combination in the second line. Everything else is debatable, which line of those that Pasternak plays on and flowing from there, who plays that other top six spot? Will it be Ryan Donato? Will it be Anders Bjork ultimately? Um, hard to say, uh, you know, or the people are clamoring for Solaric. Uh, or even, hey, I'm not ruling out David Backus, even though right now I know, uh, you know, based on what Bruce Cassidy said yesterday after the Bruins matinee went over Ottawa, that for now, Backus is going to center the third line. Um, that's just the way the personnel is shaking out at the moment. And uh, perhaps Bacchus will be uh, better suited for that uh, role um, with a better speed that he has at a lighter weight, um, something we touched on earlier uh, in, in rink wrap. So that's what you're listening to today, um, rink wrap the podcast, which you can find wherever you find your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes. We're on Omni, O-M-N-Y dot F-M. And that's how you can find us uh, along with links in our my blog. We'll link to it, which is blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. That's the rink wrap blog that you can read. And also at southcoasttoday.com when we run Bruins articles that I write or Mike Loftus, our gatehouse 
uh, Bruins beat writer from the Quincy Patriot Ledger, who does such an excellent job covering the Bruins. So that's that's it for today. We're just going to stick with that for our program, and we'll get back to you um, with with interviews. Mike is obviously somebody I want to get on here soon to talk about the early stages of the Bruins season and other uh, fine guests that I'm sure that I can uh, get on board here. So until then, happy hockey, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.